Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Jesus, thank you for this morning. And right now, I ask you for Naomi. We ask you for healing upon her body. God, we thank you for the many, many, many years of life that Naomi has had. We thank you that her whole desire has been for her children to know you and make you known. God, I pray for healing. I pray for healing. I pray for healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Want to hear a really cool story about Naomi Hosier? My grandfather performed the wedding service of Naomi and Les Hosier. How wild is that? This is pretty cool, huh? I never knew that until I met Naomi. She said, your grandfather married us. And I'm like, cool, that's awesome. So here's what we're going to talk about this morning. What we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're doing a sermon series called Refocus. You guys are always my favorite people. You sit right in the front seat. They're in the poor spit zone, so I'm going to like right here. And you're a new, my new favorite person too, and you're always my favorite person, right? So um, what we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to do something called Refocus. When we went on our staff retreat, we were talking about what God has done in the past year. And not only what God has done in the past year, but where he is leading us next. This fall is our 15-year anniversary. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? We were a church of 28 people that went down to 16 people. That was like a miracle, right? And we are over 500 people now. How awesome is that? Now, there's not 500 people here because a lot of them are sleeping, but the reality is to see what God has done. Imagine what he's going to do in the next 15 years. How awesome is that going to be? Praise God. And when we're thinking about it, there's been so many conversations, I feel like more now than ever, where people have said there's certain messages that have really clicked for us, things that were just kind of like the game changer. And so we not only heard from people, but we went online to see, like, what were the couple messages that people really gravitated to and saw this, this divine moment, this kairos moment that started shifting their life forward. And so next week and the week after are going to be kind of those two messages where people said, we needed those sermons more than ever. But here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about progressions. I mean, think about this, progression. All throughout life, we have progressions, right? Think about relationships. How many of us love relationships? Everyone love, anyone love love? I right? oh, love love, right? Right? You, 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 you kind of get the, 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 the butterflies for an individual, and you want to date them, right? And then you date them, and next thing you know it, you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with them. And then you get engaged, and after engagement, you get married, right? This past week, Sue and I celebrated 26 years of marriage. How awesome is that, right? That's progression, and she hasn't killed me yet. Isn't that beautiful, right? Our kids start school, and for all of you who have sent your kids to preschool, and they have their big, like, like promotion graduation day, you're like, I can't believe it. They're ready to start their whole world. And we're like, it's preschool, right? Preschool goes to kindergarten, and then they get to kindergarten, like, I swear they're about to run a business. You're like... They got to go to first grade, right? And then next thing you know, they get to eighth grade. And then they get to high school. And then a vast majority of them will go to college or get a job or go into the military. They graduate college and then they go find a career. And there's all of these progressions. I mean, think about life itself. Something we don't like to talk about. 
We have conception. We have birth. And we have death. Everything has progression. And it's true with our spiritual lives. There are progressions that we go through. And there's times when people say like, what's next? What's God calling me to do? What's he calling me to do individually, internally, externally? And when we look at the Gospels, we've been studying the Gospel of Mark since January. And we've been talking about discipleship. We talked about religiosity. We really came against all the things about religiosity that that all of us hate. Amen? That was really bad. Amen? Amen. What about an uh uh-huh, right? There we go. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And all these things that we, we talk about in little circles, but we never talk about in church. So we said, let's talk about them. And then we talked about the cross, how Jesus wants to turn our world right side up. And then what we've been talking about, the power of God, that God is healer, God is deliverer, God does a supernatural. He does it. I'm telling you, in our church, he does it regularly. And then we say, like, what's next? What's next? And so what I want to do is I want to preach on baptism because many of you are at the stage feeling this pull for what's next and you have no idea what's next in your spiritual journey. For me, baptism was a game changer. And I'm going to talk to you about why it was a game changer. We often hear churches don't preach about baptism. They suggest baptism. But what we see in the Gospels is that baptism is a progression of each one of our faiths. Yes, there is infant baptism, but there's also a baptism of believers, an adult baptism, where you, as a grown adult, have the decision to say, I am a follower of Jesus. It does not exclude Your infant baptism, if you were baptized, maybe you were either baptized or dedicated. But what the adult baptism does, it makes a declaration that you are saying publicly and in an authoritative way that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to ask you for a fresh morning. God, I've been traveling all week. It was the first time I flew since COVID. I am readjusting. And I ask you for a special morning. God, I ask you for every young person in this room. Everyone who is in this room, who has been born of a Christian family, who have had to make a decision of faith for themselves. God, that they would choose to be baptized. God, for those individuals that are spread out throughout this whole room, that realize that there's something next. You're inviting them into something new, that this is it. This is that next stage of what you are inviting them to be a part of. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would allow your word to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, one of my favorite passages in scripture. It's about the encounter with Peter and Cornelius. See, Peter was traveling around and doing the work of God. And while he was traveling around, there was was an event where the Holy Spirit was telling Peter 
to go minister to someone different than him. And Peter didn't want to. Why? Because Peter wrestled with racism. Do you know that? There were certain individuals that Peter did not like that were different than him. The Holy Spirit shows up. He gives him this crazy vision where there was a table with all these foods that he was not supposed to eat. And the Holy Spirit said, you eat of the food. It's all good. It's all clean, even the bacon. And so in this, Paul's, Peter's like, I can't eat it. And he's like, Holy Spirit's like, eat it. It's all holy. And the image that the Holy Spirit was giving Peter is everybody is equal in the eyes of God. Everybody, no matter what your nationality is, no matter where you are from, God loves all. Do I get an amen for that? Right? That's true. And so Peter wakes up and he's like, oh man, I'm in trouble. I just got a spiritual spanking. I got to go do what the Holy Spirit asked me to do. And he went to go find this individual named Cornelius. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take three different sections out of Acts chapter 10. It says in verse 1 and 2, In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who is a captain of the Italian regiment. How cool is that? The Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to who? God. So, Cornelius is figuring out there's something more than just worshiping God. There's an identity out there that is actually pointing to who God actually is. And who is that? It's Jesus. And there's a hungering people throughout our area and our world that are worshiping God or worshiping idols or worshiping things. And deep down they're saying there's more to this than just this this God word. There's There's a real divinity to it. Who is it? And so Cornelius sends his workers, to find a man named Peter. And they find him. And they bring Peter to Cornelius' house. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. No favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is righteousness. What is right? What is righteousness is how we are with God and how we treat others. That's righteousness. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all. And so Peter has this encounter with Cornelius, and he realizes, like, I'm in the wrong. I am the one who has been out of sorts. Because when he meets Cornelius and he figures out who this man is, how he's living his life, how he's hungry for the things of God, he says, yes, God shows no favoritism. And so he has this moment with Cornelius and his household. And Cornelius becomes a believer. And because Cornelius has so much influence in his home, because he's such an amazing husband, because he's such an amazing father, because he's such an amazing, amazing head over the, the regiment that he's in charge of, everyone believes what Cornelius believes. So let me ask you, how are you living? How are you living? 
Are you living in such a way that your friends and your neighbors and your family members and say, I want that. I don't know what it is, but I need it. I need it. And for Cornelius' household, that's what it was like. He's like, if daddy got it, if boss got it, if husband got it, I want it too. So then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Can anyone object? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. This is what I call this. I call it the Cornelius course. There's a progression that happens in each one of our lives that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And I've seen that when you plant a church and you invite someone to follow Jesus and you meet them from ground zero of the, from spiritual death to spiritual life and when they, when they start the process of sanctification that the Holy Spirit is leading them in such a way that they want to be obedient to who Jesus is and what Jesus had asked them to do. It's beautiful. I love watching many of you, many of you, that have come here for the first time of faith and have just said, I am so hungry for Jesus, I can't get enough of him. And so that was Cornelius. That was his household. He actually told Peter, he said, don't go. Stay with me for a while. Stay with me for a while. Teach me. Let me learn. You see, there was a progression. He was hungry for truth. He was hungry for salvation. He received spiritual life. He was given the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? The Spirit of God lived in him. And he affirmed his faith through baptism. You see, baptism is an affirmation of our faith. And there was a progression. This is what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. How many commands? How many? How many? Ten. Ten. <laughs> right, right. How many? All. Oh, ten, right? So think about that. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. You see, what Peter was doing was he was going to make disciples, but he was picking and choosing the disciples he wanted to make, right? He was picking and choosing. And the Holy Spirit said, everyone has the opportunity to believe. You see, there was a distinction what Jesus said. He says, I'm giving you three simple things. One, go. Get out of here. Leave. Go make disciples. Go live amongst the people, be amongst the people, and share the hope that you profess. Two, baptize them. Let there be an identification that they know that they are in Christ. And then three, teach them to obey all my commands. See what Jesus says? He says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will Obey me. And so he sent his disciples out. 
And when we look at this, we need to understand is what is so significant about baptism? What is so significant about baptism? Why is baptism in the New Testament? Why was Jesus baptized? I mean, think about it. Jesus only asks us to do what he himself had to do as well, right? He says, give up your life. What did he do for us? He gave up his life. He said, take care of the poor and the needy. What did Jesus do? He took care of the poor and the needy, right? He said, care for the least of these. Those who have no, no, no voice for themselves, what did Jesus do? That's what he did. And so everything that Jesus asked his disciples to do, he himself had done as well. And so we know that Jesus was baptized. And so if Jesus was baptized and his disciples are baptized, we need to ask ourselves, why would we not be baptized? So what's the significance of baptism? Why is baptism important? Or better said, why is baptism part of our progression of faith? First, it's a public act of faith. You see, baptism is a declaration of everything that's happening internally is expressed externally. So when we get baptized, we are saying that we had a heart change, a life change, a transformation, and we are standing up in front of people and we are saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. My favorite author, who, actually, who happened to be my grandfather's favorite author, and I never knew that until I started the ministry. His name was Watchman Nee. He says, baptism is faith in action. You see, when we are baptized... We are declaring that whatever God is doing externally, I want the world to know. I want the world to know. Chris Lambricks, come here. He's wearing his baptism shirt this morning. Everyone can turn around and look at his baptism shirt. That's his baptism shirt. That's the beautiful shirt you get if you're baptized, right? For him, he wore it today because his baptism, he wants to come up stage and just show this off, right? He, he is one of those individuals that has been in the progression that I've told you about. And so him wearing this today, he's saying, I remember the day that I publicly declared that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And so what it is, it's, it's simply this. It's one of the biggest faith and actions we can do. Stand up in front of everyone and say, hey, I'm a follower of God. Two, this is what baptism is. It's an act of repentance and belief. Remember we talked about kairos moments? Remember we talked about those divine moments when, when the Holy Spirit just shows up and we have to do two things. We need to ask who is God and how I will respond. It's really this place saying, saying I'm questioning whatever God is speaking to me, but I'm gonna step out in faith and have a change of mind. You see, that's what baptism is. It's an act of repentance. It's an act of of belief. Look what Mark says. It says, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe in the good news. When you are baptized, you are saying that, that I am no longer who I used to be. 
I remember when I became a follower of Jesus, and I was telling everyone about Jesus. I would come back from, from college break, and I'd tell all of my friends, and I'd take them out to lunch, and, and I was one of those crazy guys that, that you'd see in the restaurant that was just preaching and preaching and preaching, and, and I had to learn to temper it down a little bit. I went back to my high school, and I started telling my teachers about what Jesus had done in my life because they saw me as kind of like the insanity guy from Mark chapter 5. But there was this hope that I'm not lo no longer who I used to be. You see, I remember when I was baptized in Springfield, Missouri, and the reason I did it was saying, I am putting to death that I no longer think about the sin or the discretions that I've done in the past, and today is a representation to my church family that I am washed by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, he already did it internally, but publicly I am saying, I am clean, I am bathed, I have been washed and identified as a new individual. Remember, baptism is just an expression outwardly of what's happening internally. This is also what baptism is. It's putting death to self. It's a public declaration of saying, I am no longer going to act, behave, or choose who I used to be. Because oftentimes when we come to church for the first time, people know us before Jesus. We meet Jesus, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then there's after Jesus. When someone's baptized, they're saying, I'm putting to death that old person. Look what it says in Scripture. It says in Colossians 2, for you were buried with Christ when you were what? So when you are baptized... You are saying, I am going to the grave just as Jesus went to the grave so I can have resurrection life. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Let me read you a beautiful quote. And I'm going to read this quote because oftentimes we think about, like, what can I really give to Jesus? Many of you know that my daughter and son-in-law and my grandbaby and my grandbaby-to-be live in a far-off country. And you're thinking like, wow, they gave everything up for Jesus. Anything can happen. And we know that. I mean, you may think I'm crazy when I say this, but when our little girl said that she wanted to be called to the mission field at a very young age, when she was a teenager, we went for a walk and we surrendered our daughter to Jesus. Like if she lives in a foreign country and something happens, she's Jesus's, not mine. My only responsibility was to raise that daughter to fall in love with Jesus. That's it. It wasn't to get the greatest education. It wasn't to be the wittiest person in the room. It wasn't supposed to be a really good softball player, which she was, but it was to fall in love with Jesus. But who knows what's going to happen with them? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with any of us? But I know that when she was baptized, she's saying, my life is your life. Listen to this quote. We may never be martyrs, but we can die to self. We can die to sin. We can die to the world, to our plans and ambitions. That is the significance of baptism. We died with Christ and rose to new life. You see, when we're baptized, we're saying in this life, in the life that Jesus has called me to here 
in Bergen County or North Carolina, because that's where everybody moves after New Jersey, or going to school in Virginia, no matter where you go to school, you're saying, I may not be a martyr for my faith, but I'm going to choose to die to myself so that Christ lives in me. That's what baptism is. It's a declaration that's saying, I'm going to die for my faith. Meaning no matter where God puts me, no matter what circumstance is, I'm going to live out the faith that God has birthed in me. See, baptism is this, being united to Christ. United to Christ. What does it mean to be united? It means to be in agreement with Jesus. It means to be one. It means that you are becoming one. It means that you're saying, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. When you say be quiet, I be quiet. And there's this unity, this uniting that we say that in our baptism, we are declaring that I am in agreement with to Jesus. Galatians 3, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ, say it with me, in baptism, say it again, in baptism, have put on Christ, like putting on what? New clothes, new clothes, new clothes. These are new pants. People are freaking out. You're supposed to be wearing jeans today. Why are you wearing khakis, right? Why? These are new. My wife bought them for me, and they're really comfortable. They're like golf pants, and I don't even golf. Sorry, Eddie. I try. I'm really bad. But, it, but there's something about having new clothes, right? You put on a new shirt. You put on a new pair of pants. You put on new shoes, and there's something about it that you just kind of like have a different little strut going on, right? Something's happened. Something's bouncing. And our baptism is saying that we are clothed in Christ. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. But here's what baptism also does. And we need to come back to Jesus' baptism. Baptism affirms our faith. Every year I preach on baptism. Why? Because some of you need to be affirmed in your faith right now. Some of you are going through trials. Some of you are going through hard times. Some of you are in a season where God feels like or seems like he is not listening. He is. Trust me. His timing is always perfect. But it's in those seasons what we have all felt. Do I get an aha? Right? Do I get an aha? Uh-huh. Who didn't want to preach this morning? Me. I'm serious. I haven't said this in years. I told Sue this morning, I said, I'm just overwhelmed. I don't want to. But I'm going to. I'm going to. Because this is what God has called me to today. Amen? This is what God has called me to today. And I know this, that perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, which determines who I am in Christ. And I need this message because I need to remember back in 1993, that's a long time ago for you who were not born yet in 1993, that I was baptized, I put myself to death, and that in my trials and tribulations, that Christ lives in me more than Rob lives in himself. You see, Jesus 
before he even started his ministry, was baptized. And the moment he came out of the water, the father said this, this is my son who I deeply, dearly love. And so when I remember my baptism, this is what I remember. I publicly declare Jesus. And Jesus publicly declares me. He affirms me. He loves me. Just like Daniel, when he was praying for three weeks, it says in Scripture, the moment he started praying, God began to answer his prayers. You see, when we are baptized, we are saying, no matter what the world says, no matter what the world wants to define me as, no matter what people tell me I have to be, I am in Jesus, and I am a son of God. I am a child of God. That as he sits on the, on, his, on the throne of heaven, that I uh, am part of his family. And if I am part of his family, then I am part of his inheritance. How many of us love the word inheritance? Do I get an aha? Uh-huh? How many of us want an inheritance? Do I get an aha? Uh-huh? How many of us are really more excited to receive the inheritance than to give the inheritance? Do I get an uh aha? Right? Think about that. We love the the word inheritance because of what we will receive. And so when we declare our baptism, we are saying that that I am identified as as a son of God. Sue identifies as a woman of God. As the Father affirmed Jesus, and now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, Jesus affirms us. Baptism does not save us. Baptism is a declaration of our salvation. Hear what I'm saying? Baptism does not save us. Baptism is a declaration of our salvation. So Jesus, when he baptized, he baptized in three, in three names. I baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for many of you who come from a Catholic background, when I, I purposely declare that over you every, at the end of every service, right? right? Go into the world in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you cross yourself, when you've come from that background, there is a declaration, right? There's a declaration. There's a, there's a confidence and people are like, well, well, this is not a Catholic church. You shouldn't cross yourself. That's part of your, that's part of your lineage. I'm not Catholic. So when, you, when, I, when, we, when I say that to all of you who are Catholic, I go like this, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because every time I do that, I'm affirming the work of God in my life. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Son to give us the Holy Spirit to live in the power of who he is. Right? And so for some of you, when you cross yourself, you're like, Wow. This is confidence. Baptism is a greater confidence. Baptism is a reminder that you have put to death, you put on new clothes. You no longer be who you were, want to be who you were. You are who you are right now in Jesus, through Jesus, by Jesus, no longer controlled by sin or death, tempted, but not having to give in. And so when you declare baptism, here's what I also think. I think you crushed the work of the enemy in your life. That's not even in my notes. I think when you are baptized, you crushed the work of the enemy in your life. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus says I am his. 
And every time that you are struggling or you fall to sin or you fall to temptation, every time you remember your baptism, you crush the work of the devil in your life. You crushed him once when you said yes to Jesus. You crushed him twice when you got baptized. You crushed the head. You see, in Scripture, there's an imagery that it says that Jesus crushes the head of the serpent because the head controls everything. So every time that I've ever struggled, ever struggled, and I remember my baptism, all I remember is this, you're dead again. You're dead again. You're dead again. You're dead again. Baptism is such an affirmation of our faith that no one can steal it from us because we have publicly declared, I am Jesus's, and Jesus says, I am his. So when he says be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, here's what it means. In the name of the Father, you are heirs of God's. You are heirs of God's. You are a child of God. You are under his identity. When it says baptized in the name of the Son, that you are saying that Jesus is Lord and Savior. That he is over everything. Everything that you want, everything you desire, everything you long for. That Jesus is ahead of everything. Jesus is bigger than culture. Jesus is bigger than anything in this world. He sits on the throne of God because he humbled himself and became like man, like us, and he lived an obedient life unto death. And now there's no other name higher than his. So when you are baptized in the name of the Son, you are saying, Jesus is my Lord. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the reason Jesus says that is now you are given a missional calling. You are given purpose. You are given a badge. You get to go out there and do the things that Jesus did, the words that Jesus said, and you get to transform the world. You see, the Holy Spirit is, is not only he who convicts us, but he who empowers us to live like Jesus. We are given the Holy Spirit that fully changes, transforms, motivates, moves us. When we can't move, he pushes us forward. And when we want to move the wrong way, he slows us down and stops us. So when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're saying, Holy Spirit, you are my gasoline. You are my fuel. You are what lights me up. You are what pushes me forward. When I can't move and when I want to run away from you, you are the one who puts a seatbelt on me and tells me to sit down and shut up. Right? That's why Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, there's a course, and I'll call it the Cornelius course because this is how I felt was the best way to teach this and train this. This is what happens. We seek, we hunger for eternal truth. There's always something we need more. There's something that, that's just not right. It's off. And we know that it's God, but it's more than just God. It's what God deliberately did for us who gave us his son. God is not just God. God is the God of the universe that loved us so much that he gave us his son so we can know exactly who he is. We seek. We receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. We affirm. We are affirmed in our faith that we are sons and daughters of God. And part of our affirming is baptism. And it's not the end. It's the beginning. And then we grow. We grow. We grow. We grow. So many people in this room, I've watched you grow. 
So many people in this room, I am like a spiritual father to you. I know that, a spiritual big brother. I know that, and I am so proud of the progressions that you've made. I want to challenge you that for many of you in this room, baptism is that next step of action. It's that next step. And this morning should do one of two things. It should challenge you to be baptized, or you should be affirmed in your baptism that I am his and he is mine, and I am signed, sealed, and delivered. And my baptism just compliments and cheers that truth on. Amen? Amen. Anyone need this this morning? Right? Anyone need to be affirmed in their baptism? Amen? Anyone want to get baptized? Right? Yeah, there we go. Right? Right? Seriously. You should want to get baptized. So, I need a communion cup. We're going to do communion, and then we're going to wrap it up. So, band, come on forward. You see, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup. There are two ordinances that we practice here in the plants which is part of our Christian heritage. One is baptism, but communion is the other one. Communion is a remembrance, a reminder, a sign of the work of Christ. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. We come here today to remember Christ's broken body. Let's eat together. And Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's a sign that the Holy Spirit lives and indwells in you. And as you drink it, remember this. This is the work of Christ in you and through you. Let's drink together. And all we're going to do is we're going to just sing the chorus of this last song, just because of time. Let's just sing the chorus a couple times, right? Jesus, just go before us. Go before us. God, there are people in this room that need to be baptized just to affirm the work of Jesus in their life. I ask you that this would be a, that, that, that word they needed, that reminder they needed, that oomph they needed. But for those who have been struggling and just needed to remember who they are in Christ, for those who have been baptized, affirm them today. Encourage them that just like a really, really, really good father, you have never forgotten about them, you have not let them go, And the best for what you are up to in their specific life is yet to come. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.